Welcome to today's show on Global Citizen Life Podcast. We have Miriam Wexler, who is originally from Canada, and she is currently living in the beautiful city of Florence, Italy. Well, welcome, Miriam. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Great. And so Florence um, is one of my favorite cities. Italy is one of my favorite countries. I, I absolutely love it. How did you decide to pick Florence and, and move there? And how long have you been living there? So this has been about 18 years in the making. I always knew that I was going to move to Italy from the first time. I think it was 2007. I can't remember. Came here for the first time and fell in love and thought, I'm moving to Italy. Then proceeded to talk about it for 17 years uh, until February 2022. I remember sitting in bed. It was a Sunday. It was a snowstorm outside, minus 30 degrees. And I thought, why am I here? Why am I here? I'm, you know, Toronto is very cold during the winter and gray and just soulless. So I'm, I sat up and I'm like, okay, you have to remember I'm a life coach. So I'm coaching myself at this point. And I was like, you know, you keep talking about things, but you don't actually do them. And you teach about, you know, taking action. Well, you've had this dream. When are you planning on realizing it? Because it's now or never. So I thought, okay, I'm going to put it out there. I'm moving to Italy. And I'm like, okay, where's my phone? Because I need to call someone to tell them this. Because once you put it out to the universe, it's a done deal. Uh, six months later, I was in Florence. So wow. How I chose Florence, I've been here, like you said, I've been here a dozen times. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. And it was between Florence and Rome, to be honest. And I thought, okay, I'm moving to a new country. I don't know anyone. I don't speak the language. Maybe I'll start with Florence because it's such a small city. It'll be an easier transition into a brand new country. Um, and that's literally how I chose Florence. I thought it would just be, you know, smaller scale, smaller volume of people um mistake uh, and uh and here i am <laughs> so that that mistake you mean by the volume of people because of tourism or wow wow yeah. i you know you think about it but you can never actually imagine what it's like to be in one of the most popular cities in the world, one of the most beautiful too, with over 2 million tourists in a city that's 380 some odd thousand people at all times. So yeah, the sheer volume is just mind boggling. Yeah, and I've noticed that as well so for me um, most like i'm in the country of montenegro now which is quite small and it's a, a nice escape from busyness barcelona i was living in barcelona for years and same thing i mean barcelona is still a big size city there's a, a few million people there but they get roughly 30 million tourists every year so it's it's as you said it's just people 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 all the time um but i did like florence a little bit more in the fall and almost mm -hmm. getting into the winter it does get a bit cold and it, I, well, at least yeah. the time, it does get a little bit cold and windy it was nice that there were no people around well it's funny like today started out cold and gray and drizzly now it's perfectly sunny and 28 degrees uh and it's going to go back down but then as of um 
Monday or Tuesday of next week, it just drops. So it's going from 20s to all of a sudden 17 to 13. So it's like, here's fall. So, yeah, you know, not complaining because, you know, the heat of the summer really does take its toll after a while. But, mm-hmm. you know, for those people who think that it's beautiful weather all year round, it's not. It gets winter, it rains, it's cold. You know, I brought my Canada goose uh, jacket from and everybody made fun of me. Ah, what are you going to need? Such, I wore it every single day last winter. Cold is cold. I don't care what anybody mm-hmm. says. It can be five degrees. It could be minus 20. Cold is cold. <laughs> and what I find, too, as well with with Barcelona and with with Florence, it's more humid than it is in parts of Canada. So in, yeah. I'm from Calgary, where it's very dry. And even though, you know, it could be seven degrees outside, even even here in, in Montenegro, it could be seven, eight degrees, 10 degrees outside, and it'll be cloudy, rainy, and that humidity, and it, yep. it feels a lot colder than when the actual temperature is. So it does make a difference. It does. And also, you have to remember, too, this is, you know, an old school city. So there's no such thing as insulation. None of the apartments or the houses are insulated. So everything, the moisture is in the house. I mean, it takes two or three days to dry your laundry in the winter. So Mm. that's definitely something to remember. It's very, very humid and very cold inside. Sometimes it's colder inside than it is outside. Yes, yeah, that's that's something that really a lot of, of North Americans do need to remember because these cities are very old, as you said, no insulation. They're built with with concrete cement and yeah. there's there's not um they're not big, there's not a lot of airflow through them, and it just absorbs that heat in the summer and it absorbs that that coolness in winter. And so exactly. <laughs> when we look at pictures and, and things, we always dream of, oh, it's so beautiful. I was shocked when I found out that there was snow in Spain for, before I moved there, um, not in Barcelona, but it's just one of those things that we always tend to see the photos of the summertime, the beautiful weather, the sunshine. And there is a lot of that, but it does still get cold. And for some people who love the cooler temperatures, that's great for yeah. Right? They'll, they'll enjoy more of that fall. Then, then the summer months are good to escape and go away and go yeah. to countries where the weather is a little bit cooler. It is because in the summer, Florence, and especially Florence is in a valley. So um, you would think that heat rises. Heat doesn't. Heat goes all the way into the valley and you want to die, uh, which explains why half of Florence is pretty much shut down almost all of August and a good chunk of people leave in July as well to go to the beach or anywhere where there's a breeze because the heat is intense here in Florence in the summer, July and August, especially. Well, that's, that's good for our listeners to know. And so you're there now, what type of um, visa are you on right now while you're staying there? So I'm on a I'm on a student visa at the moment. I okay. came here I came here to study Italian. So I qualified for a visa. And what gets you to qualify is first and foremost, you obviously have to sign up for a full time program. Now you can do a four month program. You can do a one year program. The visa will apply accordingly. So if you do a four month program, you're not going to get a one year visa. It just right. doesn't work like that. So they'll see, you know, oh. It's now April, you're starting school in June, and it goes until September, you'll get a visa until October. 
You know what I mean? The visa will be only up and usually within two weeks of school ending. So that's how I'm here. And you, the thing criteria you need to show for that is you need to show that you can support yourself. So technically you're not allowed to work, but you need to show a big chunk of change in your bank account. So they know you can support yourself. You also need to show health insurance because you don't qualify for um, the, the health insurance or the health services here in Italy, which is free to residents, but not to uh, people who are here on visas with permissos. Uh, you need, so you need to show health insurance. You need to show money in the bank. You need to show that you're registered for a course and you need to show that you have a place to live. So all of that was stuff that I did uh, in advance. I applied for my visa. I got accepted. And then you're allowed to renew. So you don't renew a visa. You get a permesso di soggiorno, which is really your permit to stay. Visa gets you in, permit lets you stay. You can renew it up to two times, if I'm not mistaken. So it can one visa can get you three years of residency here in Italy. And then after that, unless you can turn it into something else, uh, you have to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then time is up, time to go. Yeah. Um, but that's great for, for people who want to stay longer term, want to learn Italian, and also don't want to stay full time, don't want Italy maybe to be home forever, but they want it to be home for one or two or possibly three years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You do have to sign up again and again to a program, but I mean, there's over 40 universities here in Florence. Uh, There are dozens and dozens of language schools. So, you know, you can study art. You can, if you decide, okay, I'm going to do my master's. I actually contemplated, huh, should I do my master's uh, in, in certain things? And so the options for a student visa are plenty. You just have to be careful because with a student visa, you can sign up for a language school and then you have to be in the same language school for the next two years if you want to continue to renew your visa or you can sign up for a university program Um, that's the only way you can change schools but you can't go to one language school for example and then change to another language school and renew it does not work like that bureaucracy here is alive and well (laughs) well that's that's good to know because then people want to make sure that they're picking the right school to begin with because they're stuck there in in a sense, um, continuing with that school. So it's very important then to do some research and uh, before deciding and signing up for that school. Exactly. Exactly. So, so far so good. We'll see what happens. Once you're here though, you have an opportunity to turn your student visa into a work visa. So when your visa is about two months from being expired and you have, you can apply for a, I think there's an in-between thing. It's like starting, it's looking for work kind of, uh, kind of visa or temporary permit. And you have a certain amount of time to find a job. And then assuming the owners or the company that you're with are willing to sponsor you, you can then turn it into a work visa and that's can be indefinite. Okay, great. And have you done this visa process yourself? Or have you done hired a lawyer or a little bit of both because of the bureaucracy and language? How have how have you worked with your way through it? 
So I did the first time myself. And then the second time I did it myself as well, but I just didn't want to continue with the same school. So I was trying to see what all my options would be. By fluke, I happened to go to Toronto in September. I spoke to a lawyer like to see what my options are because I will not go back to the same school. Um, just applied for a brand new visa. Uh, told them the situation in Toronto. Within a week, I got a new visa and I submitted all my paperwork last week here. And now that'll buy me another year. And with this school, I'd be definitely happy to continue for one more year after. But I'm hoping to turn it into a work visa by the end of this year. Okay, great. And I know you didn't move there alone. You bought your fur baby with you. So for those who are listening, let them know kind of what the process was and what you had to do to, to bring your dog with you. Mm -hmm. So I got, I'm very lucky because my dog is a five, five pound dog. So it, he fits automatically in the seat in front of me. So that immediately made the whole process a lot simpler because if I had a bigger dog and I needed to put him in the hold, I'm not 100% sure I'd be in Italy right now, to be honest with you. I have an issue putting dogs in the hole, but I know there's a lot of people who have flown with dogs before and it's not an issue. What you need to do, and in every city, everywhere in the world, there's an opportunity to do that, is you need to get a passport for your dog. So it's not like the same passport that we do. What that entails is your dog needs to be up to date with all their vaccines, especially especially the rabies vaccine, because they check for that. Um, all other vaccines need to be up to date and you need a health certificate saying that the dog's been checked from top to bottom and he's completely healthy. Then there's organizations. I know there's one in Toronto. There's one you know, here in Italy. They do it where you can get an actual passport. I did not get a passport. I just went with all my documents in a file folder. And every time they ask for it, I hand it to them. The rabies certificate is on the top with a tag that you get for it. Uh, we did a rabies shot that's good for three years to eliminate, you know, but, you know, we have an amazing vet here. So when we need to renew his rabies shot, it'll just happen here. So it was an actual, it's a really easy process. You just have to make sure that you have all the right documentation, you don't, you know, and it costs, it depends for me because he's a tiny dog and he came with me on the plane. Uh, it ranged anywhere between I've flown with him about six or seven times already. Sometimes it's 75 uh, euros. Sometimes it's $150. It depends on the airline and, and where we're flying. Right. Yeah. And um, a good point to remember, uh, like you said, is all all the cities um, have somewhat of different requirements, too. So if somebody's looking into that, because when I first moved to Costa Rica, I brought my dog with me. He had to go into the hold because he was just a little bit too big. He was only he was a little bit chubby, too. He was about 10 or 12 pounds. Um, and um, so I used a service, did most of the paperwork myself. Um, and one thing that I learned from there when I was talking with the airline is they said to me, every city has different rules and regulations. So his example was when they fly to Germany, whether they're and they the airline, I think it was United I was talking with, they fly into five different cities within Germany and each city has a different requirement for 
bringing in your pet. So what you want to do is you really want to make sure that you are contacting or talking to the airline about that specific city. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and kind of in a way, good thing is if you're not happy with the requirements, I guess, in a way, or some, cause some of them are pretty strange and weird. Sometimes you can perhaps fly to another city within the same country and maybe not need all the exact same documents. So yeah. you can kind of work it to your advantage in some cases, but then knowing, obviously, if you're flying into another city, then of course, car rental transportation, those are other things um, to think yeah. about as well. But it is, it is important to know that every city, even in the same country, has its own requirements. Absolutely. And I was happy to hear that uh, Italy does not do quarantine for dogs. So that was a huge criteria as well, because if there was a quarantine of a month or two, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, that's that would that would that would be crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I found too, when I brought my dog to Costa Rica, I made sure I had triple copies of everything because Same. because sometimes they would say, oh, well, you know, you'll you'll drop off a copy here or they're going to want a copy. It's like, well, if I'm leaving a copy, I need to make sure I have more copies. So I went to be on the safe side and I think I had three copies of everything just Absolutely. to make sure. Absolutely. Same here. You know, better safe than sorry. Um, yes, definitely. Definitely. And so now that you're there, you've been there for a while. Have you opened up a bank account there or are you just using your Canadian or how, how are you doing your kind of day to day banking? So funny you say that because I just had a conversation with someone the other day thinking, you know, I think it might be about time that I opened a bank. However, I do have a WISE account and WISE is an international online bank, but they do provide uh, debit cards. So and their fees are much lower than regular banks. So for me to do a global transfer from my bank account in Toronto would be a lot more expensive than it would be to do a global transfer from WISE. So what I will do is I will do a transfer from my Canadian account into WISE and then use my bank card to do any banking, to pay my rent, to pay bills, all that kind of stuff. But I am considering going to open a bank account here in Italy and you don't need to be a resident. The only thing you need to look out for is sometimes the... Uh, the fees for non-residents could be a lot higher and sometimes it becomes not worth it. If they're going to charge me 20 euros every time I do a small transfer or anything like that, it's it's just not worth it at that point. So for now, WISE works for me. My landlady is happy to accept a transfer from WISE. I'm just trying to figure out how, like I get paid. Uh, I do, uh, I teach English part-time here. So I get paid through WISE as well. Um, the only downside to WISE is you cannot make deposits because there is right. no physical physical bank account. But I need to figure out if you can use any other bank machine to do deposits with a WISE card. So I don't know if that works or not, something I need to look into, but I think the easiest thing would be to open an account. Yes, I also use WISE. I've been using it for years. It's mm -hmm. um, fantastic, as as you said, for, for all of those things. And I don't think there is a place where you can go and do deposits of cash. That's, so that either. is one because it's more of, um, they're known for, for transferring money. And, and as you said, they, they have accounts, but not 
not a place where you can go and deposit cash yeah. into it. Um, and, and that is, that is definitely one of the, the negatives, but I think they find that I'm assuming for that most people, they're not depositing cash. They're getting paid via transfers and things like that. So it depends. It depends because I have two students that pay me cash. And I thought, you know, at the beginning it was great because it's like, okay, that's going to be my grocery money. So I don't have to take it out of the bank, but now I'm doing a small project for uh, a chain of restaurants here. I'm doing a little PR program for them. And, you know, they're giving me a chunk of cash at the end of each month. And it's like, I don't want to have this cash. I want to deposit it. (laughs) So that's why I've been thinking about opening an account because I think it'll make it a lot easier to not always have, you know, big cash around. It's not about interest or anything like that. It's I have it, I spend it. So <laughs> it's right, right. And it's, it's easy when we know it's coming more is coming in every week. It's like, oh, I'm going to get more at the end of the week. I'm going to get more at the end of the week. Exactly. And it's a lot <laughs> easier to spend. And and I think too, potentially, um, it, it would just add one more thing when you apply for a permanent mm-hmm. residency. Um, and then if, if you plan to go on for citizenship after, I think it's about seven or 10 years, having 10. that establishment also, it's like, no, I have a bank account here. I'm doing yep. banking, mm-hmm. doing these things, all of those sometimes little things, even though I say little, but I'm sure the bureaucracy is going to be a little bit frustrating. Oh, yeah. Because most <laughs> times it is. But all of those things help if we want that kind of longer term help to be more, I'm living here. I want to stay here. These are the things I'm doing to really put roots into the community. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, for me right now, I I have a beautiful relationship with my landlord, landlady, I should say. Uh, she happens to own the whole building. So, um, but I do go through an agency, like she rents her, she has two or three apartments that she rents out through an agency, which is how I found mm-hmm. it to begin with. But I deal with her directly to pay the utilities and rent and all that kind of stuff. So I know that in terms of residency, if as long as you can show a contract that here, usually the rental contracts, it's called four by four. So you rent it for four years with the option to renew it for another four years. There's also a three by two, three by three. There's a million one different things. As someone who doesn't have, I have temporary residency, not permanent residency. I'm allowed to do year by year. So it's one year rentals that they'll do. I'm sure if I spoke to her, we could do long-term rentals, but really what difference does it make if I rent it for four years or one year, I just renew the contract at the end of each year. So yeah, so far so good. It worked. It's working out. (laughs) Great. And so um, going through the agency and, and getting in for rentals, because I know in, in different countries, things kind of work differently. How much or how many months deposit did you have to put down and then an additional agency fee? Was that a a specific dollar amount or equivalent to a month's deposit or how did that work? So the way this particular agency works is you pay first month's rent, two months rent security deposit and one month rent agency fee. So four months in total, which wasn't terrible. Uh, And then there's, you know, service charges and all that kind of stuff. So it worked out to about 55, between 55 and 5,700 euros, which translates to about seven or eight thousand dollars, depends, you know, on the exchange rate at the time. But almost everyone will take at least two months rent. 
uh, first and last, but that's at bare minimum. It's very rare. Most of the time they want a security deposit as well. With an agency, there will always be an agency fee. But you know what? It was totally worth it because the apartment, I've been looking for apartments because I'm always one of those curious people. I'll buy shoes and then I'll go look for the same shoes in 5 million places. I do the same thing with apartments. And the apartments that this particular agency has on offer are much nicer, cleaner, renovated, a little bit more expensive, but worth every penny because at least you know something happens as an agency behind it. Um, you don't have to deal with a landlord. I mean, sometimes you do, but I, I, I see what's available out there. And the one thing that people need to be really, really aware of, especially in Italy, the scams when it comes to apartment rentals are mind blowing. It's people will show you an apartment that doesn't even belong to them and then get all these deposits from you and then disappear. So there's a big, big scam going on right now in Florence because there's so many students, university students, and they're mm-hmm. all looking for six months, three months, one year apartments. So the scams have been rampant. So I always tell people, sometimes it's worth to spend a little extra money to not get scammed and get something decent uh, that you can live in. Because Mold is a big problem in Florence because of the humidity. So, you know, having apartments that the mold's been painted over, but not actually cleaned up or fixed, you can get sick from that. So mm. it's it's something that you have to be very, very diligent about. And for also, you cannot apply for a visa without showing that you have a place to stay. Now, it doesn't have to be a permanent place to stay. It could be temporary. But again, be careful who you talk to, what you pay for. I always say, if there's no contract in place, do not sign any anything. Do not give away money. Do not, especially not cash. You want to be able to do a transfer. You want a contract in exchange. And sometimes a lot of owners, oh, no, we don't need a contract because they don't want to register it as earnings with the do not rent that apartment. You know, you're not here to make their lives easy. They're here to supposedly make your life easy. So, yeah. Right. And with those those contracts, I'm sure that they are in Italian. So it would be good to have somebody uh, speaks Italian, reads Italian and can go through it with you. So, you know what you're signing, because even if they say, oh, yeah, we can do up a contract. If you don't know Italian, you have no idea what you're signing. Absolutely. And sometimes with the agencies, you can say, can you send me the contract in English? Because they are dealing with a lot of foreigners and they will have an English contract available. Yeah. So definitely it's a bit of um, of, uh, of almost like an insurance policy, I guess, in a way of yeah. using using that agency. And and it, sure, it's equivalent to to one month rent. But if if you spread that out over a span of a year, it's really not that much per month no. to ha- to know that it's not a scam. If there's problems, you have not only potentially yeah. the owner to go to, as as you do in some situations, people will have that, but also the agency as well to, to have your your side as well, because the agency wants you to be happy because they they want you to send your friends, your family, people you know, or or to come back and use them again in the future. So absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a really good point for people moving anywhere. 
Um, Barcelona has issues or Spain in general also has those types of, of scam issues. When I was first looking at places and I was looking online and I, and I knew immediately it was a scam when they're like, okay, well, you know, you got to move fast. Things are moving fast and you need to send a deposit. And I just said, I'm not sending a deposit without physically standing in the place. Mm -hmm. um, not even realizing that there are scams out there where you can physically stand in the place and it still might not really be available for, yeah. for you, which is pretty scary. Um, but never, ever sight unseen. Um, and I ended up to going eventually, I just, um, I went through an agency, I started out with an Airbnb, mm -hmm. and, and had same. that at first, and then and then went through an agency. And it was the same thing. I just thought, it was easier, they know. Um, and one thing about agencies, too, and I don't know if it's the same there in Italy, but in Spain, agencies kind of deal with their own set of apartments. Yes. And so you do want to check out different agencies because going through different agencies, you'll see different apartments. One agency doesn't show or know of all of the things available. Yeah. It's not like mm -hmm. there's an MLS, MLS list of apartments available. Uh I know because I looked for that MLS list, which does not <laughs> exist, but I always say agencies will always have a lot more on offer. I mean, there are websites like Idealista and Immobilier and all those that have places as well, but they don't stand behind. Like it's not, people will list with them. They're not the ones who manage, you know, the full rental. I had an apartment before I got it through Idealista because I hummed and hawed so long about the apartment that I'm in now that it it would have been available two days after I arrived to, but I don't know, maybe there's something better, blah, blah, blah. I ended <laughs> up losing it for an entire month. So it was available in August. So I booked an Airbnb that happened to be two streets over. And I remember being in the apartment and on the 10th time I hit my head on the spiral staircase. I'm like, thank God, this is not my permanent apartment. I die, you know, because you have to book something just to tie you over. And it was so terrible, but it's like, it's okay. I went through an agency. I have an amazing apartment. It, everything, you know, people vouch for it. It's clean. It's newly renovated. This is not, it's like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. <laughs> Right, right. And, and it's good to know that that sometimes, you know, that we can do things that are temporary, and we can have a place that may not be ideal. Um, but it's, it's temporary until we're there. Because two, the nice thing about that, unless you've been to the city many times, and recently, things change, right? Yep. Streets get improvements, things kind of get run down, stores get closed, new things open up. And so the city or the area that you're looking at can always change. And there's mm -hmm. some that that can seem like very busy areas, but you'll find these few little pockets or these few little streets that are still really quiet. And you walk two minutes and you're in the center of busyness. But as soon mm -hmm. as you get off there, you're you're quiet. And so it's it is important to really check out neighborhoods and, yep. and visit cities before making that decision to move. 100% because I remember thinking at the beginning, oh, I want to live in the center. I want to open my windows. I want to look at a domo every day. Thank God I am not at the center. Uh, at the last minute, you know, I started doing research, kind of Google, where do the expats live? Where do most of the locals live? And 
I am now on the other side of the river in Oltrarno, which, you know, it's not in the center. It's busy because, you know, tourists have made their ways to, to this side of the river as well. But I can sleep quietly at night. There's no noise. There's no bars. There's no craziness. Nobody's walking around at three in the morning, screaming and shouting, drunken Brits, you know, coming home from the pub at night. Like none of that is where I am. So, you know, I always say, yeah, it's nice in theory to think about, mm -hmm. you know, I want to live where the action is. No, you don't. Not in a place where on a daily basis, there are two or three million people in the city. So are there, you know, I think there's probably 30, 40, 50 million people that visit Italy every year. But like I say to people in Florence, on any given day, there's an additional two or three million people in the city on any given day it's you do not want to live where it's the mayhem you do not so it's true you do need to visit the city you do need to figure out the neighborhoods what's nice what's not what's you know crazy busy what's a little quieter it's everything about this trip started with research and continues with research. You know, I, I just met someone who is looking for an apartment on this side of the river because she came, we, you know, with a student visa, same thing going, I want to live in the center. And she's like, biggest mistake I ever made was living in the center. I'm like, I know, I trust me. I almost made that mistake. And, you know, I was exact same with Barcelona. When I was there at first, I'm like, I want to live in the center. I want to be where everything is. And it's so cool. And I love the cobblestone streets. And then when I was looking, I couldn't find anything really at the center. So the Airbnb that I got was um, in the Champla area, just outside of the center. And I, I ended up staying there for, I think, about two years. Mm -hmm. And it was short. Like, And I just thought, I'll just stay there for like a few months and then I'll find something in the center. And yeah, after even the few months within that few months, I just knew, thank goodness <laughs> I did not move to the center because it's exactly everything you said. People are on holidays and I get it, but people get ridiculously drunk. People get loud. They don't mm -hmm. realize yeah. how thin the walls are and how sound yeah. carries. And like sometimes I'll be on the phone outside my building and I have to whisper sometimes because I know everyone upstairs can hear me. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, and, yeah. And so sometimes, you know, like you said, in theory, you know, we think it's great, but it's great to be 20 minutes, 10 minutes out. Like I love yeah. walking and I walk Same. so much now that I live in Europe um, everywhere. And if I want to walk to go have dinner, I can walk 20, 30 minutes to go to a restaurant. Like that doesn't bother me. And then after eating, I definitely enjoy walking that 20 ish, Same. 30 minutes on the way home or take the long tour because the evenings are nice. Even if it's cold and winterish, you know, you just kind of bundle up because it's, yep. it's never Canadian cold. It's never <laughs> so, Canadian cold. Um, but I've also mastered the art of the bicycle here in Florence. Oh, so great. it took me six months to have the courage to get on one. And you like, listen, there's people everywhere. And sometimes it's you, you can have a nervous breakdown, but oh, game changer. Riding a bike yeah. in the city is a game changer. So I always say I'm 15 minutes walk from the center and that's perfect. Like my favorite restaurant, which is quote unquote far is a 25 minute walk. <laughs> so it's really never that bad. Right. Right. And I, I'm the same thing with the, the biking in Barcelona. I, at first I was just 
there's people, there's this, there's that, but they've got so many pathways and stuff that after I just realized, I just have to do it. Like, yep. I just have to get on and just go and to go on a day where I don't specifically have to be anywhere and need to do anything. And just, and it may, it was a huge difference because sometimes even the bike would be faster than taking the Metro or the bus um, in Barcelona. Where I used to teach English, I taught at a school. It was a 45 minute walk, a 40 minute bus ride, a 12 minute uh, bicycle. I'm like, okay, I'm taking the, that way I don't have to leave 45 minutes before, which means you have to wake up an hour before. Now it's like, all right, I can leave 15 minutes before and I'm there right on time. Right. And it's, it's a bike. So you're still getting fresh air, you're moving, you're getting there quick. So it's, it's, it's perfect. (laughs) That's, that's great. So, you know, not everything is always rainbows and butterflies and amazing and wonderful, of course, anywhere in the world. So what are a few of, I don't really want to use the like negatives or annoyances or things that kind of irritate you a little bit to think, oh, why do they do this this way? Or, oh, why isn't there a better way to do that? Well, First and foremost, and I think it's like this in a lot of places, but definitely in Italy, the bureaucracy can drive you to drink. Uh, It is just madness. Nothing makes sense. Somebody will explain how something is done and you're just staring at them going, why? Like that makes no sense. Like you're creating work for yourself. You're making things difficult. Instead of going from A to B in a straight line, there's like zigzags and circles and turn around and do a U-turn and then go back the other way. Like why? Why? (laughs) So the bureaucracy was something I needed to get used to. This is something that A lot of people will find shocking, but Florence is probably one of the unfriendliest cities in Italy. Uh, People think, oh my God, everybody was so friendly when I was there. No, you're a tourist. They wanted your money. Of course, they're going to be friendly. But when you live here and you go to the dog park and you see the same people every single morning with their dogs for over a year, they'll say hi to you. No one will invite you for coffee. No one will invite you for an aperitivo or dinner or to get together. Sometimes no one will say hi to you. Even if you look them right in the eye and say hello back, they will ignore you. And Florentines are self-professed, closed off, um, a closed off community. They don't let people in. They don't trust people. They actually hate the tourists, but again, it's a, it's a means to an end. It's a catch 22. They bring in a ton of money, which is what helps the city survive. But at the same time, Florentines do not love the tourists uh, because it's mayhem and, and everything is packed. Imagine you like, you're trying to get to a doctor's appointment and you're trying to navigate through throngs of people. Um, But the Florentines themselves are just, not nice, not nice. I don't have a single Italian friend. I have a, a beautiful community of expats that I'm friends with and people from Finland and the UK and the US. And I actually have a Canadian girlfriend as well. Um, but very, very difficult to make friends with the Florentines, which I found really disheartening because I went down to Puglia uh, for a week in uh, in August. I went to the nearest dog park and within five minutes, I was invited to for a coffee to join for lunch. Or do you want to come, you know, go for a walk with us? I'm like, I just met you five minutes ago. This is amazing. Um, so that's the one 
thing that has been really disheartening and shocking to me. I didn't expect it to be like that because, you know, we all moved to Italy thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to make so many Italian friends and I'm going to be at someone's Nona's house and they'll invite me for the holidays. Yeah, they don't and they won't. Uh, and that's something you need to accept. Uh, didn't realize how much patience I would need to live uh, in the city. Uh, for example, when you go to the immigration office and your appointment is at 1120, uh, go at 6 a.m. because appointments are just suggestions uh, and you will stand for six hours waiting to be told yes or no to something really simple. So it's little things like that that, you know, are a little tougher to, to deal with, a harder pill to swallow, but like anything else, you just kind of make peace with what it is and you get on with it. But, you know, I tell people, if you come here with certain expectations of what life will be like, it is not the movie, it is not romantic, it's not always nice, and no, you will not have this huge community of Italians. Uh, and, you know, people are saying, oh, but I'm following this person who lives in Florence and they're always with Italian people. I said, yeah, for their videos. There's no way they have an Italian community after one year here in Florence. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I had a, a friend of mine who had very similar experience um, in Rome. She just uh, was recently living in Rome and left. And she had lived in in Florence, I think, probably about, let's say, 15 years ago um and had a great experience and loved it she was young and and mm -hmm. had friends and stuff like that and so she was thinking like I really loved Rome and fluent in Italian um and so she she went to Rome and I want to say she was there for about eight or nine months um and she just said you know this isn't for me I'm glad I did it again but I have no friends there's you know no there isn't the let's go for coffee let's go for lunch um, she said it, it was, uh, a lot, a lot more challenging and a lot different than what she remembered it when she was a lot younger. And I think, I mean, it is disappointing. The same I, is in Barcelona, the Catalans mm -hmm. don't like the tourists. They tolerate them because they bring in money. And, and I kind of, you know, I can kind of see both sides of it because <coughs> imagine how we would feel. We live in a very beautiful, great place. And all of a sudden there's millions of tourists who come and there's there's fabulous tourists. They're ones that are great. They're kind, mm -hmm. they're respectful, they're nice, they're clean, everything. But there's always a handful that get belligerent, get ridiculously drunk, leave garbage. When I was in Rome last time, um, at Trevi Fountain, which was beautiful. Um, I think it was either later on in the evening or early in the morning. I can't remember which one it was, but finally there was very, there was only a few people there. The amount of garbage yeah. that people left on the ground was appalling. Mm -hmm. Like there is no need for horrible tourists and they, they make people hate tourists. And I, yep. you know, in, in situations like that, I don't blame them either because there's times when I hate tourists. No. And when I was there, even though I was a tourist there, I was like, how disrespectful can people be to be leaving their garbage 100%. and graffiti and things like that? And and then, yes, that's why tourists become hated is because of people mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I understand where it comes from. But, you know, the fact that the Florentines are self-admitted, closed off people, I'm like, it's not a badge of honor. I wouldn't be proud of that. Like, they, right. it's almost like they tell it to you with pride. I'm like you're telling me that you're mean and rude and unfriendly as if it's something to be proud of. Oh, okay. 
sure. Well, uh, then I don't want to be friends with you either. No. <laughs> exactly. No, and it just becomes easier. But it is you know, too bad. It really is. It, and, it and, really, and people it do need to know that. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I always, that's why I tell people, find the expat communities when you get here. So at least you can mm -hmm. make one or two friends because being isolated and sitting at home all the time or going by yourself, it gets old really quickly, especially when you see yes. people having a good time and you just get to a point where it's like, I need to have human conversation, not on Zoom with my friends at home. Like I need to be able to go for a coffee with someone like you miss the human connection, a human touch. And that's why I say, you know what? Don't even bother trying to make Italian friends. It'll happen over time. I think, I think when you're somewhere for three, four, five years, okay, everything starts shifting and changing. But the first year or two, it just doesn't happen. Not at definitely not in Florence. And I'm a really outgoing person. I say hello to everyone. I smile at people and I get weird looks back. It's like, really? Like somebody smiled at you and you're not nice. So, all right, kudos to you. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I think that is great to let people to know is to have the expectation that to really, if you're going to become part of the community eventually, that it's going to take years. It's not yeah. going to be... Um, happening overnight. It's not going to be in the first year, but it's going to be there. And maybe it is. So then they know that you're there long-term Yeah, and, exactly. and that you're really going to be our part of the community, not just somebody that's there for one or two years and gone, because I've talked with other people about this too. And that's part of um, remote work, digital, digital nomad and things like that is that they themselves don't want to get too close to people because they know that they're only going to be there for one year, two years, six months. And, and it is harder to build up friendships. And so they're probably self-admitted. They're not the nicest people, but also that I don't, what's the point of making a friend if you're going to yeah. be gone in one or two years? Oh, I understand because I didn't get close to too many people at my school because I was an anomaly. I think there was three of us who were there for nine or 10 months of school. Everybody else was, I'm here for a week to go to school. I'm here for two weeks, for three months. But it's like, no, I don't need friends that I will be. I don't need Zoom friendships and WhatsApp right. friendships. You know, I have tons of those from home. So, yeah, it's hard. And I tell people, if you have a fantasy that you're going to move to Italy and it's going to be under the Tuscan sun, it's not. Just get rid of the expectations. You know, mm. think of what everyday life for you is like in your home city it's going to be the same in florence just in an italian format right you know so you still have bills to pay and doctors to go to and you still have your rent and you still have to clean your apartment and you still have to go grocery shopping and you have to go pay bills and deal with the phone when it works and it doesn't work and wi-fi it's it's everyday life it's just in italian <laughs> Yeah. Which is absolutely, absolutely true. That's, that's definitely mm -hmm. true. And so you're, you're studying there, you're doing a little bit of, of tutoring, but you, you're, are you doing any coaching? Cause earlier you said that, um, I am. that I you am. are a coach. So you're doing yeah. some coaching as well. Most of the majority of my clients are in North America. So it's, it's, it's zoom business. Um, mm -hmm. Technically, I'm not supposed to, but uh, I am. I have uh, uh, some loyal clients and I just love what I do. And I wasn't going to shut down the business for a year or two while studying Italian. So the goal right. is to either get a work visa um, and do this for um, 
I'm doing a little bit of PR for a restaurant chain. So it might be to do it on a bigger scale or to get a self-employed visa, which the only way I can do any of that is once I get my permesa, which I don't have as of yet. Okay. But once you have that, you can start. There's a lot of different options. There's right. just a lot of, you know, bureaucratic criteria to go with each one of those options. So Absolutely. it's not like if people say, oh, I'm just going to apply for a work visa. I'm like, well, doesn't work like that either. You need a job to apply for a work visa. You can't just right. apply for one and then come and look for work. That does not exist. Right. A job has to be lined up, you know, oh, I'll apply for self-employment. Well, you need to come here. You need to set up a thing you need to. But how are you coming here with because technically Canadians and I think Americans, too, you're allowed to be here for 90 days. So there's a lot of stuff you can try and set up here while you're here in the 90 days. You can't get a visa while you're here. You have to do it from your home country, from your home embassy. But, you know, you can start looking at processes and applying for things. You know, I know I, I'm a, a part of a lot of different groups on Facebook and I've been here for two months and I love it. I don't want to leave. Where can I apply to extend a visa? I'm like, you can't, you got to go home, do it there, then come back. Like it's little things like that, the logistics that people need to know. For sure. And I mean, but when, when you know those things and you planned accordingly, then it's great because you can go and say, okay, I'm going to go for three months. These are the things I'm going to get done. I'm going to check out different areas. I'm going to look at visas. I'm going to see what paperwork documents, things that I need. Um, maybe look at some apartments so I know. And then I'll have everything done that I need to or that I can do there in those three months. Then I'm going to go home, apply, do the process. And then still, you still have to sell most of your stuff, put it in storage, sell your house or rent it. Like, And then you do those yeah. things to go and then you're ready to go because it's going to take time to to get your own home affairs in order so it makes more sense to go first figure things out there that you need to do then go home get your home affairs in order sold rented storage whatever yep. it is you need yep. to do while that's being processed and then to go so yeah it's it's not it's not just you go and show up and be like yeah great here i am now now what it's it's who's inviting me for an aperitivo nobody, yeah, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's a lot of work it's a lot of work you can expedite it if you can if you're lucky but it is a lot of work because there's all the stuff at home you need to deal with too like I own a home in Toronto it's being rented right now so you know it's rented for the second time by different people than the first time. You have to have an agency in place in Toronto to take care of that stuff for you. If anything breaks in the house, they, you know, the tenants let you know you need to have people that you can call to arrange fixing things. Like I know the the dryer broke down last year in my house. I had to call my rental company that did the rental. Can you guys do this, please? As a favor, thank God, because they're friends, because rental company is not going to go out there and buy a dryer and have it you know what I mean so it's it's right. little things like that I have a storage unit that I pay for on a monthly basis that has my personal stuff in there yeah it would have been nice to bring I'm not going back to Toronto I know that but I'm still not at that stage where I can bring everything I own over here so it's little things like that that you need to to think about and you know I always suggest create a huge list of all the things you need to do at home and then what you need to do to get to where you are, because there's a lot to think about. 
and jump on Facebook. There's groups like foreigners in Florence, expats in Italy, moving to Italy, like all these join and see what people are talking about because every question you could possibly have about moving to Italy will be on one of those groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's been millions of people who have relocated, who are expats around the world. Yeah. It is possible. Um, it's just knowing what you want and jumping through whatever those hoops are. And it is frustrating at the time, but there's frustrations at home. And so those things too will pass and you end up designing your life the way that you want it. And it's life. It takes time. It's never just yes. one and done. Like that's, exactly. that's not the way life is. And so exactly. Um, I think we all have the fantasy that that's how it is, but it's not. <laughs> right. Right. I think so too. Well, Miriam, I just wanted to say thank you very much for your time today. And I know you're doing some coaching, but not really coaching. But if some people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So there's uh, my website, which is miriamwexler.me, or you can send me an email, miriam at miriamwexler.me, or you can find me on Facebook, the Miriam Wexler. Uh, send me a message, send me a note, happy to discuss what, uh, what I coach on, what I offer, and uh, we can go from there. Perfect. And so once again, thank you very much for your time. Thank I know you. our listeners got a lot of valuable information, especially those who are looking to move to the beautiful Italy. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate this.